Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of What in the World. My name is Jake Lee and I am your host for this podcast. And this is a podcast where we talk all about what God is doing, both here in the Milwaukee area and all around the globe, and kind of looking at it through the lens of Elmbrook Church. And today, um, we're going to actually have some new voices um, in the interview portion of this podcast. Obviously, the person we're interviewing, who I'll introduce in just a sec, but also Kristen. Kristen is part of the mission department now, and she has been a very vital member uh, serving as the mission coordinator, kind of keeping us all in line, to be honest, uh, that there's a lot of things that we do in the mission department. Each of us have our little lanes, but she has been able to really help shore us up and keep us on track and keep us moving forward. So super grateful for her and her presence on our team. But I also really wanted to give her a chance to be on this podcast. She felt like a very natural fit. And actually for this interview, I literally gave them zero prep time. I literally tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, how about you interview this person? And I threw her in the recording studio and turned on the computer and then walked away. And uh, you'll see how it turned out in just a sec. But the person that Kristen is going to be talking to, his name is Asias. And Asias attended Elmbrook International Center in 2017, and he leads an international discipleship movement uh, with the Kalahiwit Church in Ethiopia, which we actually have talked about on a previous episode with uh, Joe and Kay Harding. I think it was called uh, Don't Wash the Sugar. He is currently the director of the African Strategic Discipleship Movement, and I'll let him talk more about that in this episode. It's just really fun to have him uh, share his story and what he does, and and this year we were privileged enough to have him come and be one of our main speakers at Harvest Fest. And I also wanted to point out that for Harvest Fest, we have had international voices before speak to us, but this is the very first year at a Harvest Fest that all three of our main speakers were non-Western, meaning they did not come from uh, America, from a European country. We're not talking about somebody who has a very similar cultural background as us, but people all who were born outside of that realm. And for me, that's a really exciting moment uh, for Harvest Fest that we were able to have all of our speakers be outside of our normal cultural context and pour and speak into us. And I think it was a really amazing year. But now um, let's let's get back to the interview with Kristen and Asias. And yeah, take a listen. Asias Ursabo, welcome to the Elmbrook podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. We are glad to have you here for Harvest Fest, and we are glad to take some time away to make this podcast and ask you a few questions while you're here. Thank you. I'm ready. Awesome. The first thing that we often ask is when you are doing ministry cross-culturally, mm-hmm. often there are times when you may have made a mistake because cultures are different and expectations are different. Can you tell us a story of one of those times when things might have gone a little bit where you didn't expect? Um, uh, I better take that uh, into another another uh, direction. When I first came here to the uh, to America in 2012, I I was seeing houses uh, without fences. Every house is without fence, and uh, I see I, I saw that um, people are not relating. But in Africa, we invest in fences. We invest, we are in, in a big fences, but still we know can relate. So that was a culture shock for me when I came here to, Uganda, to America and people are not, re- everybody runs into his garage and nobody knows nobody. And, 
anybody, and that was a culture shock for me. So I would rather answer that way. Oh, very good, very good. Can you tell us um, your connection to Elmbrook and how you have known Elmbrook for a while? Yeah, I have a mentors. Uh, I have a mentors called uh, Joe Harding and Kay Harding. So uh, Joe Harding's father, as a missionary, worked with my father as a church leader. And then later on, Joe Harding became my friend. So he mentored me uh, um, throughout uh, my, my uh, turning points of decisions. And so Joe Harding and Kay Harding are uh, uh, supported by this church, Ellenbrook. So I am, I am then their fruit to be here. And then, of course, I had a, I had a chance to uh, be part of the International Center in 2020, 2017. So, uh, Dr. Mel Lawrence invited me. So I'm I'm connected. I'm not for first time here. I'm I'm, I'm here. I was here forever. Uh, I'm sorry, earlier. Well, we welcome you back for thank you so much for this yeah. year's Harvest Fest. And so, you. Um, are a part of a movement. We were talking earlier about it's not an organization, it's a movement. Can yeah. you tell us what you are doing in the movement there in Uganda and throughout Africa? Yeah, thank you. Before I talk about uh, the movement, let me let me um, back up and say how this movement got me personally. Uh, this might help young people who are hearing here. I was a pastor's kid. My dad was a, a church leader. I was uh, involved in in a family worship and uh, outstanding in Bible school, Bible, um, I mean, children's Sunday school and involved in choir. But until I get into college, I was not sure even about my salvation. And it was, it was a personal encounter with Christ that uh, made uh, uh, me a visionary about how can I go back and and, and disciple the young people who are in the church but not have a personal encounter with Christ. So it became a vision. It became a burden. So discipleship is not a job description for me. It is a burden. It is a calling. So I got, I got saved. I got converted. I got conviction to lead this movement. And uh, later on, I... I led a movement uh, for the for the last fourteen years in the Ethiopian Galehut Church, which is the largest denomination in the country. And then the church released me through SIM uh, to be the African leader uh, for the African Strategic Discipleship Movement. It is an African by African for Africans, and it is strategic. It is it is um, all about being a disciple and making disciples. And uh, it's all about discipleship. Transform the lives can transform lives. And it's a movement. It is not an, uh, an organization. It's not a church. It is a movement that comes alongside the church and takes the key leaders to be disciples and disciple makers. Sorry for long answer. That's great. Um, can you talk about your role specifically and some of the other things that you've done with this movement? Yeah, my role is um, um, the African Strategic Discipleship Movement is in 29 countries now. 
So my role is uh, to recruit key leaders in a in a very influential denominations in each of these 29 countries. I go there, I, I meet uh, one of the influential denominations, I, I choose it, and then I sit with key, five key leaders, and then share the, 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 the strategy. And then I, I ask them to give me one uh, key leader so that I can work for at least two years alongside him until he comes and comes to the uh, to, to to the realization that this movement is his and he, he to needed to his church. So that's the way. My role is to recruit, to lead, to mentor, and to come alongside key leaders in a country. You were also talking about um, some schooling that you are doing and. Uh, can you tell us a little more about that and how that's helping you with um, what you're doing right now? Uh, yeah, um, as I um, travel all over um, 29 countries and see the gap, I saw the gap between disciple making and mission outreach. So as I continue to research, I, as I continue to learn and, 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 and study about, there came um, a need. What if, what if I, I study on the integration of uh, mission outreach and intentional disciple making? So I consulted my professors in Uganda Christian University. I registered there uh, as a PhD student, and I presented that as a as a topic to research, and everybody liked it. I loved it, and then in three years, uh, the Lord being my help, I have uh, done a research about integrating mission outreach and disciple making. So I have submitted that, and I will be graduating in January this year. That is very exciting. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, also, kind of along those lines, you gave a message this past weekend, okay. and we talked. We heard you talk about people in the past being dependent, mm -hmm. and how we—that's changing now. Mm -hmm. We want that to be changing. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I have come to realize that. Um, sorry to say, I'm here to to challenge the mentality that the, uh, the, the mission is from the West to the rest, but it's no longer there. The mission is uh, from everywhere to everywhere. And then my traveling all over Africa uh, made me uh, challenge my African leaders as well. African mentality, always stretching uh, hands for, uh, for support or dependent being dependent on someone or some other organizations or churches, that has to stop. We as Africans have resources, be it financial, be it human resources, capacity, skill, we have it. The only thing is we have to maximize our potential and we have to, we have to grow into that, um, th th that status of uh, being interdependent. So uh, on other world uh, side, I would like to challenge also the, uh, the American mentality that we, we have enough, we, we don't need uh, the, the, the independent mentality. 
No, that is not biblical. You Americans need us, Africans, and we Ameri Africans, we, we need Americans. It is all about interdependence than depending on somebody else or having a dip, inter, uh, you know, dependent mentality. So we need interdependence. We need you, you need us. That is what I'm, 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 I'm preaching and teaching across as I'm traveling. That makes me wonder, how did COVID affect any of this? Because I think COVID kept us apart, mm -hmm. but it also connected us in a new way. Mm -hmm. How do you, look, looking back on what COVID was, how did you say that that was different or how did it make us more connected or less connected? Yeah, it, it kept us more connected because <laughs> um, uh, COVID treated all of us equal. Africa was dying, America was dying, and this was for, for everybody. But what we um, come to realize is that um, uh, it, it, it helped us to uh, go through uh, more to in, in, interdependence because we have seen that we can't do things by ourselves. And it is not America's money can save America. It is not Africa's um, short-handedness in, in, in resources that, uh, you know, uh, uh, keep Africans not from dying. Everybody was dying, but everybody was coming to know Christ as uh, the, the Savior and, and, and the life giver. So that brought us into the interdependence. And as you're doing work throughout all of these countries in Africa, is there a certain place in Africa where you see the church and the name of Jesus being spread more than any other places? Or do you see growth in any places that surprises you? Yeah, uh, when you see Nigeria, Ethiopia, and South Africa, uh, and Kenya and Uganda included, uh, Christianity is uh, uh, overwhelming. It's growing. It's, uh, I would say uh, I may I may negotiate about the depths, but still Christianity was, uh, you know, uh, taking the upper hand. Uh, but there are there are there are places where uh, um, where uh, the true life impacting Christianity is beyond its name. So uh, countries that are uh, excelling in uh, spiritual maturity and mission uh, expansion, uh, few places in Africa that always um, amaze me how the way the way how they take mission seriously. What do you think the American church can learn from? the churches that you are seeing and the disciple making that you are seeing on the African continent. What do you think we Americans can learn from this in addition to the um, independence that we have to get away from? Is there anything else that we can learn from our brothers and sisters in Africa? Yeah. Um, Christianity is all about alignment. Christianity is all about um, upright relationship with Christ Jesus. It's not about having Christian tradition or doing something for Jesus. So um, that is what we are 
are doing against. We are against nominal Christianity. Um, as a researcher, I have done uh, many researches that uh, there is a saying that is connected to Africa, that an African Christianity is a mile wide and an inch deep. I researched it, researched it, and I couldn't find anybody who boldly said that. But people out there are saying, and and wh what I'm saying from that is um, we are here to uh, reverse that, that saying. We are here to erase that saying from the history. African Christianity should go deep so that it will go wide. And the same is true in, in America. America, Christianity is becoming a tradition and Christianity even could not confront some of the challenges, uh, materialism and idealism that is coming across, across the whole country. So Christianity should grow deep should be should be somebody's personal experience and encounter with Jesus than church-going Christianity. If, America, if African Christianity is a church-going and Christianity by name, it's the same in, with, with American Christianity as well as. Uh, because church-going Christianity, just money-giving Christianity, uh, sometimes Bible, uh, Bible study attending Christianity is not a Christianity that Jesus preached. It's life encounter with Christ Jesus. Be a disciple and make disciple. Live out the, the faith that you have in Christ Jesus by sharing that the same gospel that saved you with others. Passionate and life-giving Christianity is needed, whether it is in Africa or in America. How in the world? In this part of the podcast, we focus on how do we do mission? How do we seek to fulfill the Great Commission and do it well? To do it in a way that honors God. And in this specific episode, we're talking about the story of Esaias and how Joe and Kay Harding were able to be part of that story as well and wanting to work alongside people from other countries. So how do we do this? Well, I think one of the ways you approach this is with humility. And also the people that are sent out are not seeking power, are not seeking to lead, are not seeking to make their name famous, but they're seeking to make God famous. And because of that, they are willing to give power. They are willing to give authority and to hand over leadership. And that's what we see in the story of Esaias. We see missionaries who are part of something beautiful and seeing a church grow and expand and multiply. And rather than trying to hold on to it to make sure that the West is controlling the rest, they let go and allowed nationals to step up and to lead and to run these movements. And then these nationals to then be sent in their own right as field workers and missionaries all around. And this is something that we want to see at Elmbrook. We don't want to see us being the senders from the West to the rest. We wanna see everyone sent to everyone. We want to see this mutual partnership happening where we are willing to let go of power and not be the experts. And that is what I say we see in the story of Esaias. And it's something that we long to see continue to happen with the people that we send out and the people that we partner with, that Elmbrook is not grabbing for power, that our missionaries are not trying to be in charge, but instead we are willing to let God move and we are willing to let those from other countries lead us. And that is an example of how in the world. 
So as we are coming out of Harvest Fest and learning about uh, God on mission and mm-hmm. wanting to make his name known throughout the world, what is what are some practical steps, some next steps that we can make as a church? How can churches be involved in God's mission after we maybe feel our hearts stirring in this? What would you say could be some next steps? Uh, thank you. Working with the African Strategic Discipleship Movement and researching about mission and disciple-making movement, I, uh, I have come up uh, with a principle uh, that, that, that says, with an intentional disciple-making movement, there is effective mission, and, uh, mission outreach always. If there is intentional, relational, and transformational disciple-making in a local church or in a denomination in Africa, in a church, it will, by default, result in effective mission. We don't need to preach about um, mission, 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 mission. If we disciple, mission will take care of that. Uh, In other words, if we are very much serious on alignment with Christ, with discipline, daily devotion, reading his word, uh, understanding the gospel right, then we will obey the gospel truth that is revealed. And mission outreach is obeying the Great Commission. So the church will obey the Great Commission only if the church understands the mission better. And for the church to understand the mission better, it is all about discipleship, teaching, expounding the scripture, and life-on-life mentoring will will make somebody understand the mission better. Once once anybody understands the mission better, he cannot sit back and relax. He will go and preach the gospel and make disciples. So, to summarize, with an intentional, relational, and transformational disciple-making movement, there is an effective and fruitful mission in the church. Thank you for that. And I would also say that disciple-making movements, that phrase might be new to people. Okay. And so can you say that in a different way? Maybe that would... I'm, I'm ready to, to, yes. to, to do that. Okay. Disciple-making is not church-going. Disciple-making is not Bible study. Disciple-making is uh, not giving out money. Yes, it involves, but the core idea is having a transformed life, touched life by the gospel, and then having a right relationship every day, not not only weekend, every day. In our network, we say a disciplined daily devotion. It is a disciplined, it is daily, and it is devoted devoted. Are being devoted to the to, to to the Lord of the mission Himself, so that's that, that's discipleship. So, uh, when the church focuses on on the Lord of the harvest, we will celebrate the feast of the harvest. So, is Christ crowned in our lives? Are we doing mission? 
because uh, we are convinced and convicted by the mission and understood the mission right. Uh, for example, um, some of us may, may understand that mission is sending mission. No, it is uh, embracing the mission, understanding the mission, and going into the mission. We are not only here to send, but are we going to our neighbors? Are we going to our workmates? Are we going to our families? Sharing Christ, showing his love to others, and discipling them into Christ. That is the way we have, we are to go, we are to understand, and we are to send. And you are talking about there's a scriptural basis mm -hmm. for this even. Mm -hmm. Can you remind us where that is or some verses that would encourage us that this, this is a real thing? Yeah, the, the Great Commission passage itself, Matthew 28, uh, from 80 to, 90, to 20, is uh, the best. You know, there is a goal there. And then teach, uh, preach and teach. So as we are going... It, 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 there is there is go. So as we are going and teaching and proclaiming the gospel, we are commanded to make disciples. And disciples are the ones who do what the Lord has commanded us. Everybody will be coming back uh, to what Jesus commanded us. It is not few missionaries or field workers. It's not few pastors or church workers uh, that, that are called to do. It is everybody's mandate. So going, teaching, and making disciples is the mandate for everybody. And it's biblical and Jesus' commandment. We have to obey. Thank you. So good. This is so good. <laughs> okay. What advice would you have to churches that have a younger generation that has a heart for mission? And how would you encourage them uh, to carry on uh, Jesus's great commission? Yeah, uh, Jesus' great commission is not old-fashioned. It is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow as Jesus is. So uh, it's not an outdated uh, mandate. The Great Commission is still a contemporary mission. So if our fathers have gone to the rest of the world carrying the same Great Commission to reach the unreached, it is the young generation's responsibility right now even. Some of you are already being convicted by the Holy Spirit to take up the same mission that our fathers uh, took all over the world. So, mission is not outdated. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are, you are called with the same mission mandate that you can take up the gospel and listen to the Lord of harvest where he is sending you and take the gospel to the rest of the world. It is a contemporary calling. It is unupdated. It, 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 it does not need any update. It's already contemporary and it cannot be outdated. Young people, take courage and listen to the Lord 
who wants you to send out to the world. And this is your time. And you have only one life. If you invest it wisely, you will, reg you will never regret. So take up mission. Be courageous. Go uh, to where the law sends. Thank you so much. Asayas, thank you for being a part of What in the World. We are so thankful that you were a part of Harvest Fest 2022. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was the interview that came out of me just tapping two people on the shoulder and putting them in a recording studio and say, go. I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun to have those two uh, just talking together to hear more about Asias' story. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to point out a couple of things that really stood out to me. Uh, first, obviously the fact that Elmbrook has been privileged enough to have sent out people like Joe and Kay Harding. And we got to see this beautiful picture of leadership fully be transferred to see Asias step into this role with so many countries that he is now responsible for reaching and just to be part of that in a small way as Umbrook Church. And that's really exciting for me. And so I just, I wanted to acknowledge that because I thought that was really cool. Um, the other things that really stood out to me during this interview was this idea that we don't want to be dependent as a church or independent, but interdependent. And this for me really resonated because there's a lot of things that even um, doing local ministry, we don't want to have the people who we are giving to become dependent on us. It's a very unhealthy relationship where one side becomes dependent on the other. And at the same time, for us to think that we don't need them, which is this typical stance an American church will take is this in independent state is also not healthy. We need the global body. We need the people that we are working with we need to pursue to be interdependent, to be reliant on each other in healthy ways. And that's something I think we can really try to pursue um, with our partnerships, uh, both locally and globally moving forward. And then the other thing is talking about this idea of real discipleship, discipleship being a daily devotion. Um, and then it really is this idea of keeping our focus on the Lord of the harvest, on Jesus. I really like that. Um, is our life crowning Christ? And uh, the thing that he landed on at the very end, this idea that everybody has this mandate, that we are called to go and to make disciples. We're all called to do that. It's not if you're just a missionary, it's not just if you are a pastor, but every single follower of Christ is called on this mandate. And we have no excuse to not do that. With that, I wanna leave you guys with those couple thoughts on this interview. And it has been my privilege to bring you another episode of What in the World.